0: Welcome to Brag Talks, a place where we dream big and brag about it. What we do on Brag Talks is share praiseworthy stories. And today, your host is Heather Van Cura. And we're right in the middle of season four, which is all about health and wellness. So, for today's episode, I'm really excited to have a conversation with Hannah Austin, who is a leader management professional author and so much more. But today we're going to focus mostly on her book that's recently been published, which is called Hello Head, Meet Heart, How to Tap into Your Extraordinary Life. Welcome, Hannah.
1: Thank you so much, Heather, for having me.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you today. And I know um, we've talked a couple of times before, and I was Interested to hear you share a story about how you started writing the book and what you thought it was going to be about and some of the surprises that came along. As you went down this path of writing the book and some of the stories that you've heard from people who've read the book and how it impacted their life.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for the question. So, you know, I initially wrote this book. um, It wasn't intended as a book. It wasn't intended as a journal, a personal journal for me to kind of get me through what I was suffering from, which was burnout. And I had just recently left my corporate job of 20 years. I had quit with nothing planned ahead uh, because I was so burned out, exhausted, and I had nothing left in the tank. So I started to write in my journal kind of all those conversations that you have with yourself, kind of those dark moments, and wasn't you know contemplating even producing it or making it into a book. But I started to share my journey and struggle with very close family and friends. And they said, this is such an important topic. This is such important work. You need to start <clears throat> writing it down and writing a book it would change people's lives. And so I started doing that. And I also started interviewing several of women from around the globe asking them, you know, if they've suffered from burnout, what their experiences have been. And it really started coming together, Heather, is like a weaving of stories of a, a variety of women around the globe who have leapt into an extraordinary life after being in their darkest moment. And so I was intentionally planning on this book being for women and men who were suffering from burnout and really needed like a reset, a recharge, just to recovery, And I created it as a, you know, a map or a roadmap to help others recover and heal from burnout. Once I launched the book, however, a couple months ago, the unintentional consequences have been pretty dramatic. And the stories that I've received from people around the globe, strangers, frankly, saying to me, you know, my husband just died or someone close to me in my life just passed away. I was at a dark time. Or I just, you know, retired from my job and already I'm feeling like I'm not giving back to the world. I'm feeling useless. You know, I don't know what to do with myself. And so they have said to me that each chapter and the exercises in this book have really helped them kind of identify their why, um, tap into exploring what options are there out there for them and to develop, frankly, a, a project management plan for their life to chart a course towards an extraordinary life. And it's been pretty spectacular to hear these stories from around the globe of people who are really learning how to connect their head and heart. And they often say, you know, they were looking for a self-help book that actually helped. And they're saying that Hello Head Meet Heart is is meeting that need for them. So it's been very exciting. um, And I'm really happy that it's doing so well. I'm happy that it's resonating around the globe and people are really feeling like this is um, helpful for them in their lives.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting, that aspect of what you just shared in terms of your background, obviously, in the healthcare industry and wanting to write this book and thinking it was about burnout and then discovering along the way all the unintended consequences, but actually the positive impact that you've been able to make on so many different people and on their lives. Yeah, I mean, it's been an honor,
1: so it's been really fabulous, though.
0: So what what are some of you, the practical tips that you think have been so impactful for people as you look back at it and you think about you know how people have told you that it's helped it's helping them in, in terms of finding out what's next for them in their lives and making it a turning point what what kind of tips do you think that you share in your book that resonate and speak to that type of uh, turnaround in in people's lives?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest impact of the chapter that people are saying is the exercises where I have them do, um, you know, the should exercise, right? So many of us in our lives have been programmed to go to college, get a good job, you know, buy a house, get married, have kids, kind of that programmatic, you know, lifestyle and destiny. And of course, that works for many of us. But often we always hear in our 40s or 50s or even earlier, we have like this, this midlife crisis moment of, is this all there is to life? And the answer often is no, we've cluttered our minds and our hearts with so many different things. And so I asked them in one of the chapters to start with just one step of literally um, writing down on two pieces of paper, everything that you think other people know about you on one piece of paper and then on another piece of paper um write down everything that you know about yourself to be true right so you have two different pieces of paper and once those steps are completed i ask them to place both papers side by side and then go intrinsically and ask yourself what's the difference between those two pieces of paper and really the point of this exercise is to you know Think about how many faces you show to the people in your life, right? The face you show to yourself every day in the mirror, the face you show to others on your Zoom meetings or at work or your spouse, and really take a few minutes and list, you know, what really brings you joy? What is really that proof of what what your gifts are in life? And so I start with, you know, really simple questions. Who are you? What brings you joy? And that kind of really centers you to, okay, once you know who you are and what brings you joy, then you know at least to direct your compass on the direction you want to move to. And then the rest of the book is really to, once you have that direction, you kind of focused your compass on your North Star. A lot of the exercises that go on into the book show you how to take those next steps, how to explore a new career, how to explore a new hobby how to explore female friendships. A lot of my women friends and people in this book who are reading it are saying they have a sense of loneliness. So just really connecting first to themselves. And then lastly, to the external world, because many of us connect to the external world first, and then ourselves last. And I'm asking them to reverse the two.
0: That's, I think, a really powerful point to reverse that thinking of yourself first instead of your yourself last. Yes. Can you say any more about that in terms of how to do that on obviously being conscious of it during the exercise, you can do it. But in terms of how to make that more of a daily practice or something almost automatic versus something that you have to sit down and do an exercise to be able to wrap your mind around.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like anything, you know, you need to schedule it, you need to make it a primary focus in your life. And so I ask the reader and people that I consult and coach to figure out a program that's going to work for them, right? If they need to tap into sleep a little bit more, they need to have a little bit of a technology break, what are they actually going to do? What steps are they going to take to do that? And then building in some accountability around that right so if they for example are addicted to their phone and they need to take a technology break okay well what can we do to get them some support with that is it that we set a timer where you can't touch your phone until that timer goes off and you're setting some boundaries for yourself Is it that you buy one of those little sleeping bags that you put your phone in and you have it in the bathroom versus your bedroom? How many of us in the middle of the night or before bed or right after we get up reach over and grab our phones? You know, I think technology has been a big piece for us, and I think ultimately the other pieces. You know, a lot of self help books just talk about get more sleep, drink more water. But if we if it was that easy, Heather, we would do it. So this book is really about. I actually have a plan, a a blank plan in the book where they fill in, the reader fills in what their actual plan is. And then an accountability matrix in there to say, okay, next chapter, how did that plan go for you? What were the barriers to that? And you cannot have a plan without figuring out and prioritizing what those barriers were. And a lot of those barriers, Heather, come from, unfortunately, where we were from, where we were born, how we were raised, you know, uh, were we raised in an alcoholic family? Were we raised in a family to be the good girl? Were we raised in a family to put our needs last? And if you've programmed yourself for 40 years to live like that, it's going to take some time to unravel some of those behaviors that are no longer serving you. And that's where the coaching comes in. You know, the book is just a vehicle, but you also need support around you to help you with the accountability of tapping into yourself first. Right.
0: I find that's challenging to stick with the accountability personally. Do you have any tips that you can share about the accountability?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think from an accountability standpoint, you can't do it alone. I was queen of I can do everything myself, which is very quickly why I crashed and burned um, you know, physically. And I think a lot of us as women and men, too, we think we can do it alone or we have to do it alone. And so the first thing I would say is, and this is in, I believe, uh, one of the chapters here in the book. It's called My Emotional Support People, kind of like My Emotional Support Dog. Uh, it's really about, it's chapter 11, it's really about tapping into those people in your life that you know, you can count on. So for example, if you know that you want to lose weight, um, you know, you can certainly go to the grocery and look up keto, you can do all that. And you you may be good for a couple weeks. But then someone invites you to happy hour. And you're like, Oh, I really want to get the cheese sticks and have a gin and tonic or a mar- or margarita when you're like, Oh, I probably shouldn't do that because it's not on my diet. But if you actually go to a happy hour with a friend who knows that you're on a diet or knows that you're on keto or knows that you're trying to step back boundaries. You can prep beforehand and say, hey, we're going to go do this, but we're going to have a salad or we're going to order XYZ, really building in your support system. But also, Heather, this is the big piece, telling people in your life what your intentions are and what you really need. So, for example, if I want to lose weight or I need to get more sleep, You're alerting the people in your life who are your support systems. This is my intention, and this is what I'm going to need from you to help me and support me. And so you're saying what your intention is. You're putting it out to the universe. And then you're saying to the people around you, and this is what I need from you. Are you able to deliver? And it's not putting them on the spot per se, but it's basically saying, this is what I need from you. And the unintentional consequences of this, Heather, is, is that person going to show up for you and support you, or are they not? And that's also good and useful information for you as you move forward to building your extraordinary life.
0: Definitely. And I found that to be true in my life, that intention part of putting it out there and, and more in this aspect of letting people know around me that this is where I want to go in my life. Um, but I hadn't thought of it in terms of also assisting with the accountability part of it. So that's actually a really interesting tip for me personally i don't know if it's been the case for other people that you've talked to about your book or people who have gone through the book in terms of stating an intention and making that known but then also incorporating that into your accountability plan
1: yeah i mean i think that's been the most powerful i think you know the people that are reaching out to me who have read the book the readers are saying to me this is not just a drink more water, get more sleep. It's actually giving me exercises to do. And and frankly, it's work, Heather, right? We have to do the work to get it done. But it's basically helping them move to that next step. How many times have we read a self-help book that's like, okay, that was really great knowledge, but now what? How do I actually apply this to my life? And that's exactly what this book was meant to do.
0: Right. So as you structured the book, Hannah, you're building in the exercises. So you're kind of starting to incorporate some of the practices as you're reading the book versus read the book and then try to remember what every step was throughout the book and try to incorporate it into your life.
1: Yeah. And I intentionally in the book, I actually Um, Because like life happens, right? We are on this course and things are going well and then something happens. And I intentionally wrote a chapter midway through the book that's called Setbacks and Blessings. And I really wanted to turn to the reader at that point and say, you know, during writing this book, I had a setback. I leaned into my old patterns of behavior. I'm human too as a coach and a mom and a, you know, an author. And I basically, you know, implore the reader You know, every setback is really an invitation to grow and to evolve and come back better. So I share with them my setback. And then I go into several other stories of, you know, Renee or another one of my coaching clients who was really fueling her life with food and alcohol and and frankly, numbing herself with sex. And these are all really, really important things that I think us as women and also people in general realize that there are other activities you can do to shift your energy from those You know, negative setbacks, right? And really acknowledge what you're feeling. You know, numbing those wounds deep within us don't serve us at all. And it's figuring out how to feel the feelings, move through them, and then move forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. And so, your coaching practice, did you start that as a result of this book, or was that something that you were doing already before you started writing the book?
1: Yeah. I mean, I never, I have to tell you a secret. I mean, honestly, and I'm not trying to be rude about life coaches, but in my 20 year career, I always looked at life coaches as like an additional luxury to have or something like, oh, that person has to be a life coach because they, you know, can't figure out something else to do. I mean, honestly, I was negative about it. But when I quit my job of 20 years, I was like, asking friends and family like what should I do next and getting feedback from them and they're like you're such a go-to person of like people always come to you and ask for help and you're so good at getting them to move forward almost like a life coach and I was uh, offended and taken aback right away but then I'm like wait so I started to you know unpack my bias and explore well what does that actually look like how could I change it other than being a life coach how could I help people you know get out of their dark moments and and lean towards the light. And so I started kind of unraveling that thread, became a life coach per se, got the certification and just kind of unfolded. But I would never have thought that this would be my life, wanted this, frankly, to be what I wanted to do. But I really found that, you know, one of the biggest joys in life is unlocking your own joy. But it's also wonderful as an empath to help people unlock their own joy as well. That's
0: interesting too. Although what you told me about how you became a life coach, how you had certain beliefs about it and then you, you were able to turn it around and make a positive career transition. And ultimately it sounds like write your book as a result of that career pivot or transition.
1: Yeah. I mean, you'll, you know, and there's so many patterns in life. And what I realized after having several coaching clients was we're all dealing with the same thing. We're all, most of us are dealing with imposter syndrome. Most of us think that We have a lack of confidence in some areas of our life. Most of us have, you know, challenges in our background, right? There was some way we were raised or something that there's trauma within us. So we're all just human. And for me, it was all about connecting the dots and making people feel less alone. And especially during COVID, that's really been a pivot point for people to realize, gosh, if Hannah can, you know, pull herself out of burnout and, you know, suicide ideation, maybe I can. And those are the biggest, um, you know, rewards about this journey have really been hearing these stories of people who have healed themselves. I mean, what could be more powerful than someone having the gifts and the tools to be able to do it themselves? And
0: is that really what started your book, hearing all of the different stories of burnout? Is that why you thought your book was initially was going to be about overcoming burnout? Yeah.
1: Yes. I mean, I, I was writing my story in my journal. So I thought, OK, well, let me find similarities between me and other people. And I found those similarities. But then, you know, the subtitle to the book is how to tap into your extraordinary life. And I know that sounds very life coachy and very, you know, kumbaya some days. But really, it was, you know, so many of us are living kind of a mundane day to day Groundhog Day, black and white life where we're doing what we should have done based on what society tells us. And especially for women, sometimes we feel like, is this all there is? And I really, really wanted uh, the reader to feel like there's other options out there for them and they can do it. I'm almost like a cheerleader in the book saying you can do it where I'm here with you. I'm right there by your side. Let's get to explore your extraordinary life. Take my hand. Let's do it. And uh, that's been really resonating with readers to say, like, I feel like I'm not alone, which sounds really, really odd because it's my voice in a book but it's really been nice to hear that they feel like they can do it. They have a cheerleader and it's a private place for them. Not everybody believes in therapy. Not everybody has the funds to have a life coach. So it's kind of a small way that I can give back in a, you know, in a small and constructive manner. And
0: by approaching it with how to tap into your extraordinary life in the process, you could be overcoming burnout or maybe you're not burnout, but maybe you just are looking for something more. Absolutely. And I think you're right so many people are coming out of the pandemic and even so many people are that i've spoken to in the last year or so are writing a book or thinking of writing a book but. Not that many people actually do it so congratulations to you on actually writing your book and I saw that it is an Amazon bestseller so again congratulations but. Any any tips for people, since I do know so many people who are thinking about writing a book in terms of how to get started? So, so many people say that's on their bucket list, right, that they want to do that. And even, you know, with the a lot of time that people had in the pandemic, they started to think they might do it. Any Any tips from your success that you can share in terms of actually getting
1: started on that path? Yes. I mean, I think it's just literally you know, finding the best way that creative writing flows out of you, right? So obviously finding a topic you're passionate about um, that you really believe in and that you want to be creative about and you want to explore more about, uh, you know, uh, burnout was a topic I was just trying to figure out was wrong with me, right? So I kind of followed that golden thread of what is burnout? Why is it happening? How did I get here? All of these different things that started with curiosity. So I think curiosity is really important as you're writing a book. Um, you're kind of a sleuth. You you want to be the expert, but you also want to learn as you're writing the book. So make it uh, not. A, I would say fun because tell me some days are fun writing a book, but really make it an enjoyable or a uh, exciting process, right? Um, that you want to keep pulling on that golden thread, and you as the author want to find out what's next, and you're excited to tie those pieces together. So find that golden thread. Uh, make it easier on yourself. I think you and I were just talking about using tools that are. I'm going to be helpful for you. Otter's one of them, voice dictation. I find that I'm a better writer when I'm speaking, like I'm speaking to a girlfriend or a friend, uh, where the words just flow out of you. And if you have writer's block or you're um, having imposter syndrome, or you start to start editing every single piece of uh, writing that you're doing, move to a different location, move to a different space, make sure you're comfortable with what you're wearing, make sure you're hydrated. But Make it so that where you're going to write is good for you. You feel comfortable in. I can't stress the uh, the environment. And then lastly, but most importantly, in my opinion, is who is your champion? Who is holding you accountable other than your publisher or yourself? Who do you have to laugh with, to cry with, to complain to? Who is in your camp that's going to motivate you to get the um, number of pages done or celebrate with you when you actually get those pages done? So who is on your writing team and build that in? All back
0: to the accountability piece. That's so crucial. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: And since this is all about health, uh, this episode and the season that we're doing, what can you share with us in In terms of what are the health benefits of being able to do this, being able to overcome burnout and tap into your extraordinary life, what what what's the benefit to your health that that comes out of that? From what you've seen,
1: yeah. So from personal experience, you know, I crashed and burned in one of the hospitals that I was working in. So I couldn't be more cathartic than physically my body giving out. I was suffering from high blood pressure, fatty liver disease, um, severe migraines at the age of forty-one, and a normal healthy body. Prior to the pandemic and crashing and burning. So burnout for me was catastrophic to my health, like many of us. So for me, it's knowing your triggers, making sure that you are sleeping, drinking water. I'm, you know, now minimizing my blood pressure meds. I'm not at the end of the road with high blood pressure, but it's certainly getting better. Um, You know, for the first time in my life at the age of 41, I actually did full lab, a set of labs to make sure that, you know, hormonally I was doing well too as a woman. So I think it's really important that, you know, when you do burn out or you have signs and symptoms of burnout, that you really get checked out by a physician, naturopath, whatever your your belief system is. But it's really important that, um, you know, you're taking care of your mental health as well as your physical health because they are related. And for me now, it's knowing my triggers. You know, I have a tendency to burn out. I have a type A personality. So for me, it's building in routines Um, where I know when I'm reaching my breaking point or kind of going to the yellow or empty lens, those things that recharge me and I have a plan in place. You know, I have timers that I use. I color code my schedule. I think you and I just talked briefly about when you're feeling overwhelmed and you're just kind of feeling like the emails are piling up and feeling a little bit disorganized, you know, blocking out part of your day the next day or the following day to say, okay, what meetings do I need to cancel, reschedule? How can I consolidate work? Really kind of uh, project managing, your your days to make sure you have a little bit of a lighter schedule. And if you're not able to do that, using people in your life to say, okay, today's really busy for me. Could you cook dinner for example or kids could you do xyz? I mean really leaning on the people in your life so that you're not just feeling like you're flailing and doing it yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that was a that is one of the more difficult things is to realize when you're getting into that zone versus waiting until you've got you've gone too far and then re correcting versus doing it on ongoing basis, like you said, you know you've you've built in tools and techniques, so you can become more aware of it self awareness, it seems like would come into play there.
1: And I just read an article um, yesterday about, you know, 92% of professionals believe that they have self-awareness, but actually those people, when they've, uh, you know, done additional studies to say, do you have a self-awareness or actually gone through a self-awareness questionnaire, 33% out of those 93% uh, did not. So I think it's really around who do you have in your life and What systems do you have in your life to show that you're learning, you're you're being an ongoing learner in life um, and you're stretching yourself and growing? I think a lot of people get burned out, too, because they feel stuck or stunted in their role. And so what are you doing to constantly grow um, internally and intrinsically as a human? Right. And so I think it's really important that you're. Learning how to tap into your emotions and not going around them or stifling them, but going through them, which is uncomfortable and sucks. Let's let's be frank about it. But I mean, you can't go around burnout. You have to get through it. And
0: that brings back to the actual title of your book. Hello, head, meet heart, because I think that is a challenge to bring that heart into your career. Right. So. Mm -hmm. we're kind of taught to keep that separate, especially for women to try not to be in touch with your emotions. So figuring out ways to bring those two things together, your head and your heart and have it in balance.
1: Yeah. And I think especially, you know, we, I don't want to blame society on everything, but the reality is that's how we were raised. Right. And then take it on top of that is the hustle culture of women. I mean, we do have to work harder in a lot of situations and, you know, we're, We do, right, as a mom, as a daughter, as a wife, as, you know, as a a worker, being women in general. And I think the biggest piece is acknowledging that, okay, I can have it all, but what does have it all look like for me? What does have it all look like for me as compared to what have it all looks like for society? And that is only a question that you can answer yourself. And that's why I love Hello, Head, Meat, Heart, because it really talks about, it's an individual perspective of What does connecting your head and heart look like? And don't forget your gut. And how many of us have silenced one of the two, one of the three, any of them in our times in our life? So it's really kind of centering us and getting back to connecting those two.
0: Well, I've really enjoyed learning more about your book it sounds like a very unique approach and I love the different elements that you shared with us and the things that came through to me again and again were accountability and I think that's so important and I love the fact that you shared some concrete ways to build that into our lives to make it part of our regular routine to be able to make sure that we are living our best life and being healthy in the process.
1: Thank you, Heather. Yeah, I mean, health starts from inside out, right? Not outside in. And how many of us have spent money at Target or spent money on a manicure, pedicure, or massage? Um, But really what we've needed is to look at ourselves from the inside out. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you, Hannah, for being our guest today. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm looking forward to reading your book hello head meet heart and i'm going to include links in the show notes thank you for being our guest thanks for having me and thanks for listening to this episode of brag talks